the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We have a great show for you, an excellent lineup. I'm very excited about our first guest. His name is Ben Horsley. He's the chief of staff of Granite School District, and after him, we will be welcoming Brooke Stevens, the Liberty Mom, Brooke Stevens, who is the Curriculum Director of UPU, Utah Parents United. And so first, we're going to start with Mr. Ben Horsley, who I have known Ben for quite a long time, a really long time. He used to be the chair of the Davis County Republican Party, did an excellent job, I might say. And now he is the Chief of Staff of Granite School District. And Ben recently testified in committee in Utah uh, regarding uh, one of the social media bills that we have in Utah, we have two of them, one coming from the Senate, one coming from the House, very similar bills. They'll kind of meet and and marry each other, basically. Um, they're very, very interesting, and I do think very, very needed. I think they're very in very high demand. Ben, welcome to our show today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me. Ben is Can very you hear me busy. Okay, I'm, I'm actually here at the Capitol yeah, right now. Yes. It's pretty loud. And so I ben has a very busy schedule, like the rest of us. He's very busy. I see him at the Capitol often. So thank you so much for taking time. It is such an important issue, Ben. So, and we can hear you just great. You're coming in through loud and clear. So tell, tell us why you testified in favor of the bill and why you think this bill to kind of hold social media. Um, vendors hold them accountable for what they're doing well i i obviously have a first glance look on a daily basis uh with the sixty thousand kids that we serve in granite school district which uh, serves central salt lake county we have 90 plus schools uh, particularly in our junior highs and and our our high schools on a daily basis we see um damage caused uh violence bullying um, a number of nefarious activities, not to mention the overwhelming dearth of uh, mental health challenges that our students are faced with. And all of it corresponds with the rise of social media starting in 2009. You can start to see as kids join these platforms that suddenly these things became uh, insurmountable. And schools, I think a lot of people place uh, burdens upon our school system. Um, and there's a lot of times I'm, I'm, I'm having to advocate and, and remind people that that is outside of the scope of our expertise. That is not our job as educators. Um, we're here exactly. to teach math and science. And all these things are having this uh, huge impact on our schools and, uh, frankly, creating unsafe places and uh, causing panic and anxiety. And there is no one watching out for our kids uh, within these companies and these corporations. Um, I have benefited, I have enjoyed social media, but at the same time, our kids frankly cannot handle 
uh, that type of responsibility without uh, some sort of parental response uh, oversight. And frankly, our parents don't know and understand the technology well enough uh, to be able to provide that. And the tools are not where they need to be to give parents those resources to be able to do so. That was a really long answer. I apologize. That is a great answer with a lot of fantastic information. So let's start with the mental health issue because we have so much mental health um, issues. We have so many mental health issues in our society right, right now, especially with young people. It is a derp. I mean, it is just, just been amazing. And how do you know that it's cause and effect? How do you know that it's the social media that is causing this mental health? these mental health issues with our young people? There is some logical inference there. There's obviously a ton of research, including a recent yes. CDC study uh, that showed upwards of 30% of our, our particular teenage girls are being impacted negatively. What I testify to in committee and what I remind parents, I go out and I teach digital safety. I teach our parents how to monitor social media and to help their kids. And um, it, it's one of those things where um, you can logically infer, but I have yet to see a study in all the time that I've spent on this issue that shows there are positive benefits for kids on social media. There is Absolutely. not a study. Uh, mm -hmm. There's no science there. And so really what we're doing, you heard in one of the, the bills that was testified to the other day, the social media company's response is our, our students need privacy. No, our parents, our kids need parents. They need yes. parental parent. Uh, they need structure. They need uh, help and support. Um, and so I, I defy anybody to show me a study that shows the positive benefits and outcomes for kids when it comes to social media use. You know what, Ben? What backs that up is the fact that Silicon Valley parents, almost without exception, forbid their own children to have smartphones until they're 16 to 18 years old. And they also do not allow them to have social media accounts they want their children to be well-adjusted. They want them to have great mental health. They want them to be intelligent and to be pro, to be value creators. They do not want their children addicted to the very product that they are perpetrating on other children. So, and, and if you take a child who's struggling with a mental illness or depression or anxiety and you remove them from social media, we find that and I know this is there are limited studies on this, but there are studies that are showing it is amazing how it heals their mental illness just very quickly because it is causing so much depression and anxiety. So I like the fact that you talked about one of your jobs as the chief of staff is to educate parents. And I think therein lies a huge, huge portion of the answer to this problem because parents that are you know, like your age and younger, parents that are not my age and older, we didn't grow up with social media, but the younger parents that are parents of, of teenagers and younger kids now kind of grew up on it. They grew up with it and having it. And so it's harder for them, I believe, to see the negative consequences. It's harder for them to see how bad it is to the developing brain because they didn't get on it when their brains were developing. They got on it as a formed brain. And so they don't always understand. And we, and plus, if you're in it, it's hard to see the forest because you see the trees are all around you. And so I think that is a really important piece. So I want to ask you, what can we do as a society, 
maybe as legislators, maybe not, because we always want the government to solve all of our problems. We want the schools to solve our problems. What can we do to learn about the negative consequences of social media, how to deal with it? Because if technology is in our world, it's going to be hard to just tell every young person growing up, no social media for you. You turn loose at 18, they'll go nuts on it. So yeah, how do we educate people? Well, you know, I I don't want to be, I, I don't consider myself necessarily an expert or a, scienti- a scientist with respect to this. I can only go off what I see on a daily basis and what we're trying to do. I think it's one of the commenters uh, in opposition of the bill the other day said, well, schools need to do a better job of educating parents. So now it's our job to not only educate kids, we're also required to um, educate parents. We actually do that, though. We do offer yes, do. digital safety classes. We do. We want to engage with parents on these topics. Um, and, uh, and and I will tell you, I've done several of those classes. I probably have seen out of 55,000 households that we serve, maybe 55 parents attending those classes. So what I'm seeing is uh, I'm preaching to the choir to those who want to know and understand those things. But by and large, as you've indicated, our parents have grown up with these these tools. They don't understand the the negative impacts. They don't realize when I went when I, I was a kid, I didn't look for screen time. And it's not just social media too. I would I would speak to the ill effects of screen time as a whole. Yes. Uh, because of, of COVID, we've we've pushed Chromebooks and things to try to help kids uh, get acclimated to the technology. But at the same time, our kids need breaks. Some of the tips that I give our parents in those situations is have dinner off from technology, not just for you or for your kids, but for you as well. You need to take time off and set that example for our kids. Um, there's some research that indicates that those um, intimate relationships of toddlers being uh, those building blocks, the, the goo-goo-gaga moments that we have with our, our toddler infants, they have diminished by 50% with the advent of, of these technologies. And so it's not just our kids getting negatively impacted, we may not even realize ourselves as parents that our interactions with our kids have been diminished. So when you get home, put your phone away, put it over in the corner, have that be the rule in your house. When you're in the car, don't put in these AirPods. Talk to your kids and don't ask them questions. Don't probe them. Um, Talk to them about your day. And what you will see is they will reciprocate um, those kind of conversations, and suddenly you have a relationship with your kid. Nobody loved junior high. Junior high was horrible for 99% of, of, of us because we're going through puberty. We're going through all these social anxieties on and insecurities, on, and then we throw social media and screen time in the mix. Our kids need to have a healthy, safe place that they can come to, and that has to be a trusting adult. And so we need to give them that opportunity. If, if our kids sense fear, like, like dogs can sense fear, our kids can sense reluctance on our part to talk about um, a difficult topic like pornography or sex or things of that nature. I want my kids to come talk to me about those things, but if they feel uncomfortable doing so, man, we're putting them in a really difficult spot. So if we're constantly having opportunities to engage and converse, that breaks down those walls. And if we're not probing, well, have you done this today? Or how was your day today? Um, we're just saying, hey, you know what happened to me today? The craziest thing. I was on this podcast talking about social media. You know, suddenly my kid feels like, well, that's kind of weird. And, and how is that? And why, is, why are people asking my dad about these things? 
And suddenly I'm having a, a natural germane conversation. So that's a really long answer. But uh, put the technology away and set the example for our kids. Boy, I think you absolutely nailed it, Ben. Those goo goo gaga moments, those connections with real life people, we're wondering why we have so much anxiety and so much depression and people, kids are so disconnected from each other and from adults. It, this is We're doing things that are causing mental illness and then being up at the legislature so much, I see we're constantly coming up with programs government ideas and programs to help kids with with um, mental illness issues. I'm like, why don't we just go right to the root and stop doing things that cause the mental illness? And then we won't have to have so many programs to overcome it. And that, yeah, I just love your advice. We need to connect with each other. And we as parents must, when we set the example, the children will follow very naturally. We put, how many times do people have their phones at the dinner table? The having dinner, sitting down together as a family, connecting with each other, just having conversation, not interrogations. I thought that was very, very intuitive of you. Don't interrogate your kids. Just have conversations. Talk to them and put the phones away at those times when we connect. And it is amazing how much they are hungry for that and how much they will respond to that. I think that is really great advice. And it is hard because a lot of young people are addicted. And I actually believe, although I'm very open to being wrong, I believe a lot of adults are addicted to social media and to their phones, to technology, to the screen. I, I love that you added that in because it really is the whole screen thing. It all fits into one big box, doesn't it? Well, I will say this. that I, I When I go and talk to parents, I, there's this thing called nomophobia. That's not no mobile device. It's an actual anxiety disorder. How pathetic are we as a society that we have a disorder for that? But when, the one primary question I ask people, and I don't want them to answer out loud, but if you use the phone when you were in the restroom, you might have a problem. So uh, think about that. That could be your bar. Um, I would I would like to address what you just said, too. I, I think... Um, I, I see what our schools, I see uh, there's 131 bills alone this year impacting public education, the most highly regulated industry in the state of Utah. I, I can't manage or monitor all these bills, but a lot of them are, are creating to supplant what we just need um, our families to be able to do and uh, the ways that we can engage with our families. And I will be the first to admit public education, can, we can always do a better job of engaging with our parents. Um, but at the same time, I feel like so much is placed on public education, and I just remind people that schools cannot do this alone. We will never, we will fail. If schools are expected to do some of these things, we, I, can, I can tell you right now, I don't need any data to tell me. I know we will not be successful because we cannot replace um, those, those relationships that need to happen within the home. Yes, that's exactly right. And we don't want, our, I'm a school teacher, so I'm not dissing school teachers, but as a mom, I do not want my children to attach their school teachers above, I want them to attach to them, but not above me. I want them to attach to their family and to their parents and themselves. And even as a teacher, I never want for myself to come between my students and their parents. I want to support that family cohesiveness. We're here to help system. and support. I'm, Yes. To support, it should be a support system. And and I do think that as parents, we've gotten to this mentality where we're like, we send our kids to school to get educated and kind of forget that it's really our stewardship and our responsibility to educate our own children. And that the schools are there to support that, not to do it for us, but to support it. 
and that we we do keep putting more and more things on the schools that are not really education related. Now, I do think educating about social media is education related, but I don't think it's necessarily the role of the schools to do it. Although there's a lot of screens in schools, and I think that is one thing that causes a lot of problem, is that because there's so many screens in schools, parents are like, well, you guys need to teach them how to use them properly because you guys are the ones um, giving them to them. But and and it is- we, we do have digital safety uh, requirements that we do do with kids. Um, one thing that we've actually, that's good feedback, and I will tell you, one thing, we've heard that from our own communities, and one thing we've tried to do is produce additional tools and resources for parents so that they can ha- know how to manage those Chromebooks at home, further uh, in place, put in place restrictions. We, we just created a video teaching parents how to enact additional restrictions on their kids' Chromebooks because so many times they'll get at home, oh, yeah, I'm doing homework, mom, but they're just on YouTube or something. So we want to give those tools to parents. Again, this is a, a relationship. We're here to support you. So please don't hesitate to let us know how we can do a better job of supporting you. So Ben, that is pretty amazing. So you created a video to teach parents how to help their children, how to manage the... Well, yeah, in addition to what we already provide kids in terms of digital citizenship, one thing we heard from our parents is my kid has unlimited, he needs that Chromebook at home to do his homework that you've given him but I don't know how to manage it or restrict it. And so we said, you know what, that's, you're right. So here's a tool that will help you know how to put additional restrictions on that device, time limitations, restrict additional websites or or content that you want to, we've already got some pretty good filters on there, but maybe you want to throw some other things on top of that. We can provide that to you. We're here to support you. So, Ben, is that something that would only be applicable to parents who have children in the Granite School District, or is that something that would be applicable or be able to all parents to access or to be able to use that video? This video is specific to uh, the Chromebooks as, as, as we have our filtration. I think a lot of other uh, Utah schools use the same filtration system. It's iBoss through Utah Education Network, so it might be applicable in other places. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find that on Granite School District's website, www.graniteschools.org. Just uh, type in Chromebook uh, resources, and there's a bunch of resources that will pop up, including all the digital safety stuff we provide to our parents um, and information. One of the most downloaded items we have off our website is our social media apps to watch or apps to watch uh, flyer a handout to, for our parents. We, and that, that warms my heart knowing that people are looking at that. Um, yes. But at the same time, uh, we need we need more help. Yeah. Well, you know what I have to tell you, Ben, I was very impressed that you were there testifying uh, regarding this bill, that you, you know, you were proactive and that you took a stand and you did an excellent testimony. Your testimony was fantastic. So beyond, I, I mean, I, I also think it's important for parents to know really what, how serious this is. Beyond just being at school or just being at home, what is happening to children that are getting into these social media accounts? And do you want to address that? Like some of the things that are actually happening to kids? Because it is, I think it's much more horrific than people realize. And much I, more I pervasive. agree. There's a couple, I would point out a couple bills that people should be aware of. SB 224 um, deals with potential threats. Um, and if parents are not monitoring their kids' social media, they could potentially be held liable for fake threats that are made. 
um, that their student is, is, is making. Those are a huge disruption to our school day. We had um, a situation last November for two full school days. A high school had only roughly half of the, the students in attendance because everybody was afraid of this fake threat. And we spent probably seven or $8,000 worth of man hours, law enforcement administrators going through and finally identifying who was responsible for this. And it was a simple video that was being relayed in a group of friends on Snapchat. I, what I always tell parents is, um, why would you allow your kid to have Snapchat, a, an app that was designed specifically with the intent of hiding content from you? That was exactly. the sole reason it was invented. Yes, and, uh, yeah, the sole we, reason, oh, and we all Snapchat. know it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Another situation we had, a sexually explicit video um, going around 600 kids eventually saw this video in one of our, in the largest high schools in the state of Utah. A parent calls me and says, why didn't you restrict my kid from seeing that? I'm like, I have no ability to block your data on your child's phone. They just yeah, turn off the Yeah, why did you give him the phone? The That's the question. And, why did you give him the phone? And yeah. again, yeah, you're, you've allowed them to download Snapchat, which is how that video was uh, shared. And then on uh, via Instagram and Instagram does provide, uh, uh, it blocks porn when it's pointed out to them. But unless somebody points that out in a direct message, so sexually explicit material that the school has no ability to monitor um, or, to, or, or to block. And these are kids, these are tools that kids are using commonplace every single day, Instagram and Snapchat. There's two examples. Yeah, that is, and, and it's really, it is causing some serious damage to children. It is really doing some very serious harm. I know that video that went out to, I, I don't know if that's the same when you're talking about the, when the voyeurism one, when kids think they're being cute and funny and they're videotaping someone going to the bathroom and then they share it. There's no going back and picking up those feathers. There's no putting that back in the box. It's like this poor child has had their life altered I don't want to say ruined because I think you can always recover from anything, um, but it's very difficult. That is a very difficult, just just devastating situation that happened, and kids don't realize, and nor kids don't realize how how horrible it is until it happens to them. Absolutely, and they just don't understand the repercussions of these things and the long term effects. That's the that's the bottom line, and we should be there protecting them and helping them as parents. We absolutely should. Ben, you've been fantastic, and I'm so pleased that you have been so proactive. I love that you're doing all of this education with children and with parents. I really appreciate it. I think you've just done such a great job, and um, it was really great seeing you, and I really appreciate you taking time to be here, and thank you very much for all the work that you're doing on the Hill. Good to see you again. Have a great one. I look forward to it. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. So that was Ben Horsley, the Chief of Staff of the Granite School District, and Really, this is a really big problem, and I just really, the reason we're doing this show today is I feel like most parents are not understanding the seriousness and the gravity of this situation so much that this, this is a way, social media is a way that they're actually using this as a medium to groom children, and they are using it to actually put kids into sex slavery. They're having meeting children. You hear about it occasionally in the news, but it's happening very often. I know the other night, almost every day, 15 to 20 men, perverts, are arrested for approaching young children through the social media and, um, you know, using them to sexualize them or to take them off. We are going to take a really quick break. 
We're going to be right back with Supermom Brooke Stevens. Stay with us. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being with us. This is the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Moms Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And as I told you, we're so happy to have Brooke Stevens, Liberty Mom, who is the curriculum director of Utah Parents United. They, she has been just an amazing asset to not just Utah Parents United, but literally every citizen in the state of Utah has benefited from the work that Brooke has done. She is a great mom and she has been very active and involved in learning about, knowing about, speaking about the issues that are facing our children right now, which means that they're also facing the parents. And she's, what I love about Brooke is she does a lot of research. She knows her stuff. And so Brooke, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I love I love what you're doing and I I love Utah and everyone who's involved. So thank you. And we love you. So Brooke, we were just at a committee meeting in Utah about a bill that restricts schools from having pornography in books and in the classroom to take this pornography out and inappropriate material pornography and inappropriate material out of the schools, out of the libraries, and out of the classrooms. And, you know, we, are, we already have laws that make it this illegal. Why do we need another law? Because it's already illegal. Why? Of course, of course, there, it couldn't possibly be happening, Brooke. This is illegal. <laughs> and you muted yourself. What what educator, as, as an educator myself, I mean, I can't imagine anybody wants to have pornography or inappropriate materials in schools. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I. What was the question? I it muted. What, what? Okay. What's the? Why do we need this bill? Why do we need Representative Ivory's bill to stop it? Because we already have laws that say we don't. We that it's illegal. Um, because the schools aren't following it, and there what? have been. <laughs> 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 I know. Oh, right. It would be nice if we were justified in being shocked. But the truth is we need to stay vigilant and we need to watch. And that's what we've been doing. So we have a team of people across the state who are watching their districts and we all talk together and we share the numbers. And it's very disheartening for all the work that we've put in. And um, and then we hear the school board or somebody say, oh, it's so much work for us. And we're sitting there thinking, did you know that we have read 450 books in their entirety, documented the page numbers, the excerpts, the violations that have happened? We put it on websites. We're alerting people. I'm like, how does this not count as work? And don't you want to work with us? And so we've literally exactly. been following everything. We have a rating system, books five, four, three. Even down to two, some have been removed because they violate masturbation and um, the masturbation part of 1227, 7610, 1227, 1A, 1, 2, and 3 are the bright line rule. And 
that's when you just have to go through and and say, okay, if it violates this, if this excerpt does, then per the law, it is thrown out. And the law is in 43 of the 50 states, there is um, an obscenity loophole in the education system. Luckily, last year, there was a um, they tightened it up and said there is no serious value to minor if it, minors if it breaks these three things. And um, so if you go back and listen to the committee, you'll hear testimony or watch our video from all these school districts, all these parents who have been working to get these books removed, and they're simply not being removed. They are not being removed. And this is not just you saying it, Brooks. There are so many parents who have have testified and have spoken out, who have done this research, like you say, that have read these books. They go into the schools. They talk to them very respectfully and politely. I'm sure some of them don't, but I know the ones that I know. They have, have very, and they, they just are not being removed. And that is one thing that I really think is important on this particular bill of Representative Ivory's, is that it does require that if a parent has evidence and produces evidence that a book is in violation of the law, that the book is removed immediately. Now, I'm a person who's all about due process, but when you have evidence against, about pornography or inappropriate materials in a school for our children, that is the due process. It is removed immediately. It should be removed immediately. And then you can go back and have the review board look at it and see, but I think that's a very important component of this bill. Yes, and the other component is that schools have been diligent in following their own process to re their own policy to remove materials. So there have been 66 titles across the state of Utah that have been removed by school districts. Some just one, others, you know, there's three districts that remove the same book. But because of that, in this bill, you can take those removals from each um, district and send it to the USBE for them to review just the excerpt, just the violation, and say, yes, we ratify this. And then across the state, that would be removed. So that saves so much work for all of the districts across the state who, without this bill, have to form individual committees in each school, such as Jordan's school district or in the district. There are 43 districts that doesn't count the charter schools where they have to buy the books, all of them read the books in their entirety and then vote on it. And that's countless hours and money. And so this really saves them. And also if you want, you know, if parents, you know, I know some parents who are, you know, plant, have lawyers and are, if this bill doesn't pass, they're getting ready to take action. And so if it doesn't pass, then there will be lawsuits. Um, but if it does pass, then the USBE will have that responsibility if they ratify or not, and it will be out of the hands of the LEAs. So it protects them legally, the LEAs. They won't have these lawsuits that are lining up for them already. And so saves them time and money, saves them lawsuits. I, I spoke with a, um, I spoke with our assistant superintendent who's over the book policy in our district and he said hey this sounds like a very reasonable approach um and part of the argument against this that i heard was hey we want local control and i really loved representatives ivory's comment was that you don't have local control of whether the law is followed or not this is regarding the following the law and so 
Um, and he says, and you do have local control if it doesn't violate the law. You still get to have Absolutely. all these. And he did such a great job writing the bill for that very reason, because we all say we want local control, which we do, but we've never give local control to violate the law. Although, as you have said, and I pretended to be surprised about, it is that the this is happening and has been for years where the law is being violated. This is the problem that they have been violating this law for years and years. The problem is that no one holds them accountable and that there's no consequences when they get held accountable. When somebody calls them on and a parent says, hey, this is inappropriate, they go, oh, well, too bad. Too bad if you don't like it. Or they'll say, oh, sorry. And they might remove it for a few weeks and then it goes right back in because there's no consequences, which I think is a really big problem. But there is a lot of pushback on the establishment of having consequences for breaking and violating the law. Right. And that's why, you know, the parents I know are gearing up to take it to the judicial review. And we've really been documenting and collecting everything. Have you done everything you can? Yes, we have. We've done absolutely everything we can to tighten our case. So this law is is really going to help the districts a lot and help the parents and save a lot of agony that nobody wants to go through. You know, nobody wants to have to go to the courts to resolve an issue that could be easily resolved when the evidence is right in front of your face. And this speaks so much to you and the other parents who have been amazing, literally rock stars who have gone out and done their due diligence, found the books, read the books. You've already done the heavy lifting. You guys have already done the hard work. And district after district after district has verified this and shown that this is a very big problem out of control. You guys did a video that is absolutely spectacular. Last I checked, it was not on your website. I did have it circulated to me and I was able to see it. But I went on the website because I was going to tell people to go on the website. (laughs) I'll put it up. I'll put the video on our website. (laughs) Not to call you out in public, but just to remind you, you know, it's a really great video and it's so good because it shows all these districts and these real life people who have done the work and shows they tried to get these books out and how many they found and how few have been removed. Your children are being subjected to pornography if they're going to a public school, you can almost count on it for sure. Is that a true statement? Oh, that is very true. And the saddest part to me is when I go to people and say, hey, will you submit um, a challenge, please? Because we still have all these books that haven't been challenged. Yes. And so I keep asking for challenges. They're like, no, I, I don't want to have to read it. And I'm like, okay, So you not reading it means that these kids are going to be reading it. And there's not that responsibility. People don't see how necessary they are to just show up once and read it and then go, you know, cleanse themselves of this so that kids don't have to do it. Oh, Brooke, so well said. And the point that really drives home is in committee today, the chair of the meeting forbid anyone to share any of the information with the committee that is in the books because it is illegal because it is pornographic and they don't want to be subjected to it and so last time this information was shared across the committee and they were horrified they're like we don't want to see this but this is the interesting part of course you don't want to see it i don't want to see it but is it okay 
to let our innocent children be subjected to it. And we know when they are, they're either addicted to pornography because it can be an, such an easy fast addiction because the addiction is in the brain. The picture is in the brain. It's hard to remove that, although it is possible. It is hard. And that what, why is it not okay for adults in the legislature to, to be subjected, but we're okay about leaving it for our children? And I do have to say that um, when I was reading all of these before, that the darkness was so heavy, I can see why they wouldn't do it. But if you don't look at it, you don't have the fuel necessary to fight it. And so them saying, we're not going to listen, we're not going to read it. They surround themselves with bubble wrap, with all those nice words, the ACLU and the ALU are, are sharing around them. And they're like, it's fine because, and they don't need to look at it. They, I mean, they don't look at it. They have to look at it. The people have to look at it. Go to ratedbooks.org and look at the number fives, the number four. I put up Utah locations. You can see what's in your district. I also created a document at tinyurl.com forward slash HB 464. And it can show you some of the books that are in there right now that have been retained by school districts that are absolutely abysmal and, and discouraging and depressing and pornographic. And, um, these legislators say, don't show it to me, but I'm saying they have to see it in order to pass judicious judgment, ju real judgment, and not surround them with the sweet words and bubble wrap that everybody else is spinning because it's not true. The truth is, it's horrific. It is horrific. Was that rate, is, was that ratebooks.org or rated books? Rated books with an S.org. And that's the website that um, at first I just threw up all these images to prove that it was there. And then I had to organize it a little bit better. So that was born out of creating, uh, getting HB 374 passed last year. Beautiful. Thank you. So ratedbooks.org. And yes, this is something they wrap themselves in bubble wrap and then in bubble wrap. And then they say, you're just wanting to ban books. We get called book banners, which is not at all the case. No one is even suggesting we ban any books at all. Simply protecting your children in the schools and the libraries from being subjected to these books. That's all. We're just saying they're inappropriate for children, for minors under 18. We're not suggesting they be taken out of the public libraries, although it might not be a bad idea. <laughs> um, that's not our fight. That is not what we're working on. We're just simply saying don't subject children to pornography and inappropriate material. Right. And actually, the only three books that have ever been banned in the United States are books with child pornography, copyright violations, and military secrets. So you can't even legally... Um, Ban books in the United States. So it's such a ludicrous false claim that that gets the public spinning. And if people just look at it um, critically, it's, it's, you know, idiotic almost. It really is. So every parent and every grandparent, aunt and uncle, I ask you to go to ratedbooks.org. Find out, then you do not have to read them for yourself. And if you come across a book or your children is assigned a book to read that is inappropriate, you need to take action. And, and UPU is really great at this. They are really good at taking action and doing it in a very 
respectful manner. We go to our schools, we go to the teachers, we go to the principal, not in a rage, not out of control, but we go to them respectfully and say, you know what, I'm sure you will be very concerned about this too. I want to bring this to your attention. This is not appropriate for my child. I don't think it's appropriate for anyone else. And you have a conversation with them. And if you do it in a respectful manner, you use the same words, but you use a nice tone of voice. It is amazing what you can accomplish. And if with us working together as a team, we can do this. And remember, no great thing ever happened by the masses. Great things and evil things always happen by a small group of people willing to stand up and do something and speak out. So, Brooks, thank you so much. You're just amazing. You're one of my favorite people. I just love you. And I oh, thank, thank you, you so much for all your hard work and all that you've done. And I do say to everyone, go to UPU. What is it? UPU.org? UtahParentsUnited.org. Okay, thank you. UtahParentsUnited.org. And the video will be up there. It's well worth watching. And that is something that you can share with others and it's a fast easy way to help educate other parents speaking of education i'm going to shift gears here for just a minute we just have a minute left i want to invite everyone to participate to get your children grandchildren neighbors your school children to participate in freedom's light foundation's annual constitution b it is coming up on april 13th which just happens to be thomas jefferson's birthday how can you stand for your rights if you do not know what they are? This is a fun way to get to learn about the principles of the Constitution. And in, it's always fun. You know, we're all a little bit competitive. And it's a fun way to give your kids and other kids a chance to come together. They do it as a team. So there's four or five or six kids on a team. They study together and practice together, and then they come together It's statewide so anyone in the state of Utah can participate. And we come together and we have a competition for who knows the most on the Constitution. We have a study guide, so it makes it super easy to study. You go, uh, we will send that to you. You can go on our website and you can get that study guide and you can study and practice. We've done it into segments so that it's pretty easy for kids to study. And it gives them an opportunity also to be acknowledged and rewarded. Our first place price is $500 cash. Second place is $250. Third place is $100. And so we invite everyone, just get a few children together. We have an elementary B, which is not on April 13th. We haven't established a location, so that's pending. But we have an elementary B. We have a junior high and a high school one, and those two are on April 13th. And it is a really, really fun opportunity. And kids get to connect with each other, get to actually learn something in fun and interactive ways, and they learn about the, the Constitution. And you know what? They will know more than at least 80% of Congress, because 80% of Congress admits they've never read the Constitution. And how can you uphold it? How can you take an oath to uphold it? And how can you do it if you don't know about it? And so this gives them a chance to really know and learn about the Constitution. So we invite everyone, get your team together. It's not really about taking first place, although it's kind of nice. It's really about learning and everyone that learns and comes and competes. We really want everyone to have a positive, a positive experience. We have tons of other trophies and other prizes besides first, second and third place. There's lots of other smaller competitions and lots of 
different prizes and trophies that will be awarded. So we want everyone to leave with having had a, a positive experience. You go to freedomslight.us, freedom with an S, freedomslight.us, and you can connect there and get information. You can always reach out. Email is freedomslightevent at gmail.com, freedomslightevent at gmail.com. You can call 801-330-0303, and you can talk to someone about and get whatever, answer whatever questions, find out whatever you need to there. So we would love to have a lot of schools. Every school is welcome to come and participate. Again, you can have four, five, or six students per team. We also are going to do, if we have any adults that are willing to man up or woman up and compete, we will have one-on-one -on -one just fun competition for adults that we will have there. And again, we'll have prizes and an opportunity to just show what you know. So that is going to be really fun too. So if anybody wants to do that, we would love you to pre-register, but even if you don't, if you show up, we'll let you do it. So that would include all of the, um, really anyone who's under 19 years old in the state of Utah is welcome. We also will be having a national bee that is coming up also. So if you go onto that website, freedomslight.us, we will post the date on that. But we have we have already have six different states that are competing in that. And again, we're just reaching out to the entire nation. All 50 states are welcome to participate. We would love to have and as many schools participate in that as want to. So this is a great opportunity for students who aren't necessarily academically achieve high achievers. They maybe are not athletic. They need a place to kind of shine. This is something where really anyone can be very successful and do very well. So it's a place for if you have a student, a child, or a grandchild or a neighbor who needs a place to be successful, this is a great opportunity for them to come and learn and be successful. Again, we have the study guide that makes it real. They know exactly what to study and what it's divided into sections so they don't have to study the entire constitution either. So. So we invite everyone to get engaged and involved in the process of liberty in whatever way you decide is beneficial. I hope that every single parent and grandparent will get informed on what is happening with social media and, and the screen and how it is actually doing damage to the creation of the child's brain, how it actually changes the makeup, the physical makeup of the brain. And it, uh, after years of being on social media and on screens, it actually has the same impact and effect that a drug addict brain looks like. So it it's very serious. And we can stop so much, or at least curtail so much of the human trafficking if we will take charge and take control. We don't want to see any of our children get caught up in that. And again, ratedbooks.org is a great way to find out what to read and what not to read, what your kids should, you can protect your kids from. And again, if you come across any books that you find inappropriate, please reach out. Please reach out to us, reach out to United Parents, Utah Parents United, excuse me. 
reach out to an organization because we need to, we will help you. We will hold your hand and walk you through and help you. And we can get that book on alert and rated for the other parents to protect themselves. And we, we have much to be grateful for. We live in this great Republic. We do not live in a democracy, nor do we want to. And therefore it means that every single one of our rights are protected that we take an oath, every elected person takes an oath to uphold our constitution, and we are governed by the rule of law, not by the majority or by mob rule. And those things are very important, and we need to make sure everyone understands how important a republic is. And because of that, we are able to be free. And remember that you are the guardians of your liberty. Have a beautiful day.